Hello and welcome to the Happy You Are Here podcast. In this episode, I'm going to take a detour from what I was expecting to be posting. I actually was going to be posting the season finale of this season of Happy You're Here, but I think that this is an important time to address some things that are going on right now. And I want to start off by saying you, if you can, and if you're not already, you, you, you should be seeking out some voices of people in co- people of color that you know are experiencing what is going on right now in a way that you know I can never be able to address and you know I can have uh, an educated view on the systematic history that has brought us to where we're at and the changes that continue to not happen and have opinions on all kinds of things but that doesn't matter because I'm not living the experience of a person of color. And, you know, I have a lot of empathy for the people that are, and I think that it's important to pass attention onto them. And there are going to be a list of different people in the show notes and a few episodes of other podcasts that are related to the subjects that are you know, kind of flaring up right now, but always exists. Uh, one is Young Pueblo, who is a, was an activist, still does some activism. Uh, he's an Instagram, I guess, influencer, where he writes poetry and, and different things, mostly about mindfulness and how we can heal ourselves so that we're bringing better versions of ourselves to, to the table when we're trying to solve these, these big issues. Uh, there's also an episode with, this one's a little controversial, it's with Daryl Davis, who is, uh, you might have seen him in the news, he's the, the black man who has befriended a lot of Ku Klux Klan members, uh, and over 200 members of the Ku Klux Klan have left the Klan and you know left behind the white supremacist ideologies that they had followed so intensely um, through befriending him. The controversy comes from he is very open to open dialogue with everybody, including people that, you know, he might and we might find their opinions disgusting. And that's how he's been able to do what he's done is by, you know, letting people talk and letting people express themselves and, you know, then providing, you know, his own perspective and his own information in very clever and, and calm and intelligent ways rather than just yelling that people are trying to silence them. And that's an unpopular way to do things, especially in, in today's world where it can be somewhat dangerous to give people big platforms. Um, but it's almost, this is my opinion, it's more dangerous to be shutting people down because you're just giving more fuel to the fire that there's some kind of conspiracy trying to keep them down and, and it, it's giving fuel to the fire that there's some kind of war uh, going on. So those, those two episodes and some other people are listed down below in the show notes. So please, either after this episode or just stop this episode now and go listen to those because those are, are much more powerful than anything that I'm about to say. I also just want to address that the audio of this episode might be a little bit um, subpar in comparison to some of my other episodes. It's not bad. I'm recording on a microphone that plugs into my phone just because I don't really have time to uh, do the whole thing. And there's, you know, street noise and stuff outside that might jump in every once in a while, but I'll do my best to 
to try not to talk over that and keep things clear while um, you know I'm doing this pretty pretty quickly. I've actually for a while wanted to do an episode about mindful activism because I think it's really important that it's so easy to get caught up in the anger and the emotions while we are fighting for things that rightfully people are angry about. Um, but for a lot of reasons, the anger and lack of maybe self-awareness, people can be self-aware and still give in to their impulsive anger in dangerous ways, especially when in a crowd and when being, you know, blatantly what they feel like attacked by police or even on the other end, you know, maybe being a police officer and not being mindful of the way that your own emotions are ruling your actions, which can be especially dangerous when, you know, you've, you, you have the ability to really hurt people. And this, this is true for all, all sides of, 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 of the puzzle here. But I haven't found or haven't locked down a guest that can articulate those things in a way that I think is valuable to share, but that is definitely on the radar um, of something that I'm trying to figure out for the next season of this podcast, because unfortunately, you know, none of the, even if everything dies down and when everything dies down that's going on now, it, it'll, it'll happen again. It's been happening for the entire history of our country, and it's really been happening throughout history, period. There's always been injustice. There's always been oversteps from the people in power and you know, the masses have to stand up eventually and say, this is, it's enough. And we need things to change. That's exactly how our country even came into existence. But I think there's, there's, there's stronger ways to do things than burning buildings and being so aggressive. Um, not to say that it's really my place to even tell people that they, I, I would never say that they can't do that. It's, I think it's important that, um, especially when there's violence, uh, against people where there's beatings and things like that people need to face consequences and that's where the focus should be is making sure that we're you know keeping that in check whether it's keeping your fellow uh, protesters that might be turning towards rioting you know keeping them in check or um, you know making sure there's appropriate police response in ways that are focused on violence and not just people that happen to be there uh, there's just so many things that are being mishandled, in my opinion, and you know I've seen it. I saw it back in the Occupy Pittsburgh, Occupy Wall Street days. That was much more tame, honestly, because it was a lot of, you know, the police weren't the enemy in that specific case. And it's not that they're, I wouldn't call them the enemy right now. They they definitely are the focal point of the protest. So that makes things particularly difficult to navigate right now, and. The, the, the main thing that I did want to discuss here is the idea of contagious suffering. And a lot of people have conceptualized this in a lot of different ways. One of those ways is karma, which is pretty often, I think, misunderstood. People can, are welcome to disagree with me on that, but I don't think that it's necessarily that you carry some kind of you know, tab, tabulation of your wrongdoings into the next life or into the rest of your life or whatever. It's just that when I am suffering and I act out of suffering in a way that is harmful, I create more suffering. Then when that person or those people act out of that suffering and do something 
that again is harmful and creates more suffering, then that wheel becomes contagious. And that's where the wheel of karma goes beyond what you can handle. But when the wheel comes back around to you and you have the option to respond in a way that is informed by your suffering, or you have a way to respond that is from um, a higher version of yourself, an idealized version of yourself, whatever you want to conceptualize that as, that is how you break that cycle. That is how you break the cycle of negative energy, how you break the cycle of this aggression and hatred and anger and fear is by when you are presented with those things and you would totally be justified to respond in anger or to respond in fear. If you can transcend that, that is where the contagion of suffering stops and the wheel of karma you know, uh, stops. And it takes millions and billions of little actions like that before we'll see the world that we all wanna see here, here on Earth. And I think that in a lot of ways, in a lot of places, we've already seen this happen. We've seen societies turn more peaceful over time um, in certain areas and people that have this kind of ideal within their religious principles or their ethical principles. And then there's people that don't and you know, places that maybe don't focus on this part of their religious teachings even though it's right there in front of them. And it doesn't even need to be religious. It, it's very much a practical thing. You can look at it logically and say, if I respond to fear in anger or aggression, I am causing the other person to feel fear and then they will respond in anger and aggression and that wheel will just continue and not only continue to one person to one person to one person, it'll be one person to two people to four people to eight people to 16 people to hundreds of people especially now with the way that the internet is, being mindful of how we share things on the internet. And I fall into this trap all the time, but I try to be mindful of the way that I'm communicating and the things that I'm sharing. Um, and it's, it's particularly difficult in this time because how do you stay mindfully peaceful and stay transcending those emotions when they're so heated and, and rightfully they, they are agitated. And I think that, you know, we can look at the people that are the parents and the family members of the central figures that have been murdered and their killers have not been brought to justice or the justice has been unsatisfying. The, most of those families are asking people, begging people to not be committing violence at the scale that it's happening in the name of those that have been taken from us. And I think it's important to listen to those voices. Uh, and like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's those people of color specifically that are experiencing these things. And if they're able to find a little bit of transcendence of those emotions, then there's no reason the rest of us can't do that. And I mean, there's ways that you can, you can peaceably protest. And there's ways that you can even you know, break the law and, and peacefully protest unjust laws. Like many would suggest that these curfews are a way to control the population in an unjust way. And you know, 
I feel that if the issue at hand was different, then a lot of people that are maybe kind of coming out against the, the protesters, which they're, a lot of people are lumping together protesters and rioters, and I'm not even going to go into that. But if the issue was the government trying to take away your guns and telling you you can't protest over that, I would think you have a right to be angry and to break the certain laws, you know, in a peaceful way, um, or whatever those those laws are that that you feel your rights are being um, violated. And it's interesting because just a few months ago we had people protesting over being told that they have to stay home, which I agree that that is. I think that you know asking people to stay home is one thing and social distance and everything and being respectful of each other and our safety but forcing that issue in the way that that they did was was very mishandled and and it caused a lot of backlash and those people that were out protesting which in many ways uh was illegal and they're now turning around and saying oh these people that are protesting now uh there's something wrong with that and it's, we're, all, we're all afraid of the same thing. We're afraid of a government that oversteps its control of us and takes away our freedom. And there's ways, you know, like if you're gonna go out to a protest and stay past curfew, I mean, if you're gonna go out to a protest and you don't wanna get in trouble, go to the protest and, uh, you know, follow the laws. Stay off the streets that aren't blocked off and uh, stay away from the crowds that are agitating the police and you can still show your support out there, and if you do, if you do want to stay past curfew or you want to be out on the street, and I think you're totally justified in that as a protest, accept the fact that you're probably going to get arrested and be prepared for that, because that, at that point, that's the real protest: is being willing to take that sacrifice of being arrested. That is that is your martyrdom towards the whatever the 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 thing is that you're, you're protesting. Um, and this is not just in, in relation to this specific issue. I think this is in relation to a lot of different things. Like I said, people have the right to be angry. We need to use that anger in a way that will actually bring about solutions, especially because right now it's not like, you know, people keep, I keep seeing people harken back to the civil rights movement and how the Civil Rights Act was passed after six days of rioting and burning after Martin Luther King was assassinated, which is obviously horrible. Um, and obviously the outcome was desirable. But the thing is, we had an administration that was already somewhat receptive to those issues. And we had legislation that was ready to be passed that was probably not going to be passed otherwise, but there were already solutions on the table that Congress uh, was considering, where right now we really don't have that. And we have an administration that is not only not receptive, they are antagonistic towards this movement. This is where the local level can really make a difference. We just had this happen in Omaha where a, a, a horrible thing happened and the person that committed this crime, this murder, killing, you know, however the court decides and the jury, which should happen, uh, decides that the case goes, it should go before a jury for that decision, but the uh, district attorney 
just let the case go and let the person go without considering all the evidence. And um, by f for a lot of people, I mean, it was it was just a blatant disregard for um, justice. And you can only imagine how if this person that committed that crime was not a business-owning white man, uh, things would have went differently. And you know, this person had a criminal record. This person had did not have a license to carry the firearm that he used. On so many different cases, you know, you would be justified to be angry about uh, what is happening. And people are, and people are taking the steps they need to take to force a grand jury in this case. And that is the kind of ways to use that aggression in a way that will actually, hopefully, make a difference. And by getting involved in local politics, because local elections and local politics is where a lot of this stuff actually can change and can make a difference. And, and, and still people you know, kind of play lip service to local politics and local issues, but don't actually get involved in any meaningful way. And this is all to say that you know, it's important to be able to practice equanimity in times of so much fear, so much anger, no matter how justified, and also accept sometimes it's not your place, you know, like in this case, I think in a lot of ways it's not my place to be proposing the solutions that need to be proposed. There are a lot of solutions being proposed out there that I, I, I would fully throw my support behind. And I think that it's so easy to lump people together, whether you're lumping the entire Black Lives Matters movement together or any, any, any movement. And I think it's unfair to do that. And we need to be aware of our own biases, aware of our own privilege, aware of our own thought processes, and aware of our own emotions. So that no matter where we stand in regards to what is happening, we can all look at this and say, there is something unjust going on that is primarily the lack of accountability and the lack of consequences for actions that lead to a disproportional death rate and, and, and killing of people of color in our country. And you can talk all day about what the reasons behind that are, but it doesn't matter because the numbers are there that it happens. And I mean, I, it, it would blow my mind if, if you have not lived in this, if you've lived in this country for 25, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever years, and you haven't seen this. I mean, potentially, I know a lot of people that live in rural areas literally have not seen this, but I think in a rural area, you can see it with people that are in poverty. It's not maybe racially uh, motivated, but it is still this subconscious targeting of certain groups of people and, and also a total disregard for how a certain group of people are treated by the authorities. And a lack of ability for people, for example, with, with police officers, like a good, a quote unquote good cop is not even able to call out or to report a quote unquote bad cop. It's been happening all over the country right now. It's happening. People getting fired 
for trying to stand up against someone in their own precinct. And there's, there's laws that support that and unions that support that. And these are all, these are all pretty, pretty powerful issues and, and there's so much going on and reasons why this has happened over time. And so much of it is just this idea that we're at war with our own people in this country. Um, and a lot of government agencies have had that ideology for quite a while. And it's important to be able to have empathy for the people that are facing this down every single day while maintaining a sense of equanimity, while we feel hopeless and helpless and doing you know, maybe the little bit that we can do whether that's supporting and amplifying voices uh, of people of color that have ideas that resonate with us, or listening and educating ourselves and not being so stuck in our current mindset, understanding that just because you know there's misreporting here or an agenda being pushed there, that doesn't disprove the entire reason for this movement and when this if hopefully uh eventually we start to find solutions to these problems and stop seeing these as issues which i unfortunately don't see happening anytime soon i think there will be progress but it will be slow progress as always new things will come up new injustices will happen and we need to figure out ways that we as a society and we as individuals can face these without giving into the, the, the worst instincts that, that humans can have. And that starts with you. That starts with each one of us learning to practice an awareness of our own minds and the awareness of our own emotions so that when those emotions are flaring up, we have tools to stay in an equal and balanced state of mind. That's all I have to say. Again, view the show notes down below wherever you're listening and check out some of those links that I share. Those are really valuable and really insightful conversations by people of color that have lived the injustices that we see and I think share some positive opportunities to move forward in this in this world that is always complicated, but right now it's in our faces how complicated and how easy it is to fall into this this space of feeling helpless and anger and all of the emotions that come along with that thank you for listening this is happy you're here and i'm happy you're here listening uh, i'll see you potentially next week uh, maybe the week after with the season finale and then We'll take a little break and be coming back with a bunch of really, really interesting interviews later in the year. I'm excited for that, and I am happy uh, to still be alive and to be able to be in this state of mind, and I just hope that progress can happen in this country and in this world, and people can learn to treat each other better and to accept that other people are suffering and accept suffering in a way that will not continue to spiral out of control uh, on any level, because it happens on all levels of society. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye.